Welcome to the Smiles Matter podcast by Microdental Laboratories. I'm Laura Kelly, and it's my pleasure to host Comeback Strategies for today's dental practice. I'll give you an example. Laura, let's make believe I just did um, a couple of fillings on you today or something like that. I've just dialed your number. Um, I hit your um, some sort of um, answering device, whatever you have, and I'll leave this message. It says, hi, Laura, it's Marty Zaiscon. Connecticut, commonly known as the Constitution State, was named for the Connecticut River. It is the southernmost state in the New England region of the United States. According to the Connecticut State Dental Association, research compiled by U.S. News and World Report shows Connecticut leads the nation in healthcare accessibility and rounds out the top three states in overall health. Colchester, a charming town in Connecticut where Dr. Marty Zace's dental practice is located, is part of the historic New London County and a city that enjoys Connecticut's strong healthcare infrastructure, including access to world-class dental care. Colchester's values are nurtured by a deep sense of pride in its history and traditions and a progressive spirit that keeps them moving forward. But what have they learned from previous economic downturns? I am pleased to introduce Dr. Marty Zace, a disc jockey turned one of the most successful dentists on the East Coast. Dr. Zace, originally from the Boston area, received his DMD from Tufts University of Dental Medicine. He is one of only about a dozen dentists in the world to have both a mastership from the Academy of General Dentistry and accreditation in cosmetics from the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. Dr. Zace is a fellow of the American College of Dentists and a fellow of the International Academy of Dental Facial Aesthetics. He has also been included in the top clinicians in continuing education by Dentistry Today and by Connecticut Magazine. Before we move forward with our conversation, I have to mention that Dr. Zace can usually be found around town dressed in a Hawaiian shirt and matching socks. This is just one of the ways he communicates his optimism and passion for life. Hi, Dr. Zayce. Thank you for joining today. We've got a lot of people that are really interested in, in hearing from you and a little bit more about your background and, and what you're focused on today. If you could share with us a little bit about how you became interested in dentistry. Well, actually, that's kind of a fun story. Uh, I, was in, I was in a junior high school, and one of the teachers that we had there um, was called the Beast by all of us, because kids are mean. Uh, and we were calling him the Beast because his teeth were so ugly. By pure coincidence, my dad, who was a dentist, uh, decided to take him on and uh, restored his mouth with, and gave him a really nice smile, a uh, terrific smile, actually. And my dad was also an amateur photographer. So he took a bunch of before and after pictures of the case, and then he used to show them off to us and the family, but he didn't have a screen to show them on. So we had a white brick fireplace, and we showed the pictures on the white brick fireplace, and we're sitting around, you know, looking at the changes that happened in Warren Priest the Beast. Um, and it was just amazing, you know, to see what a change it was. And by an absolute total coincidence, about three days later, we had gone into school, and my English and social studies teacher said, so what do you want to be when you grow up? This is on a Friday. And she said, come back in on Monday and let us know. And it was really, I had never really given it a lot of thought. Um, the first time anybody asked me that was in the first grade. And I said, I wanted to be a physicist. I didn't know what that was, but it sounded good. Um, and then, so at the end of this weekend, I went back and said, you know, I want to be a dentist. And I've never looked back. I think it's really important for our listeners to know that, you know, we've got a lot of young dentists that are coming out of dental school now, or people that just started a practice a few years ago. And 
you know, they may have not have the history that you do with specific challenges. I know that you're in an area, you're accredited, you know, with the ACD, you're in a, in a beautiful area of New England. And, you know, a, a community uh, that like everyone else, you know, you've got, you've got patients and you've, you've come across specific challenges, right, probably throughout the years on how to recreate yourself. And I was, I was hoping that maybe you could kind of share uh, maybe, you know, what some of those challenges were and what your strategies have been to approach that and how you see that relevant to today and, and maybe what you're working on. Well, I've been practicing in Colchester, Connecticut, which is a rural town of about 15,000 people now at it was half that when I started in 1974 there. So I've had a few birthdays. And I would have to say I've had the experience of working through a number of challenges in my career. Embezzlement, cancer, and a few divorces come to mind. Um, but the office has always been an escape for me where I could focus on patients instead of any personal issues that might have been getting in the way. And as for the national crises, I actually do have some real uh, important insights to share with people who have not been practicing quite as long as I have. Uh, strangely enough, 9-11 was not that big a disruption to most dental practices outside of the areas that were attacked. Um, it was a slowdown for a little while, but you know the country came together and it didn't cause people to stop going to the dentist or stop getting services. Uh, patriotism was strong, the economy wasn't crashing, and fear really wasn't that prevalent. And although some folks probably deferred treatment, offices didn't close and patients were not canceling. So it's definitely not like what we're going through today. However, the financial crash of 2007 to 2009, that era was another story altogether. The economy was in absolute shambles because of all the mortgage uh, fraudulency that was happening. Home prices went precipitously down. Unemployment was way up. Fear of what the future held was omnipresent. Kind of sounds familiar like today, doesn't it? Now, the cosmetic dentistry era had um, just peaked. We had just got through with extreme makeover. Um, the AACD was had 8,000 members and was drawing 4,000 people to its convention. So a completely different circumstance from today. And then everything kind of came uh, crashing down. Patients were canceling or deferring treatment. Previously sold large cases were just shut down. It wasn't even postponed. They were just shut down. Practices that used to be booked way ahead suddenly had many openings They were, and people were unable to fill them. The solutions then that allowed us to recover and even expand our success are the same solutions that I would suggest today. Even though they're completely different causes, much of the response of the country is the same. In some ways, this is worse because we have to stop working ourselves instead of being forced into stop working because the patients didn't show up. But in the end, it comes out to the same problem. And at some point, this whole virus pandemic is going to end. And when it finally comes to an end, we're going to be faced with wide open schedules. And how do we take care of the people that used to be our patients? And how are we going to build practices back up again? And especially if you're um, a new person doing this, you really don't have the experience yet to have found a way to rebuild relationships. You're just at the beginning of doing it. So I'm going to try and see if I can hit a few of the main points that I thought of as I was reflecting back on how it was that we turned what was then a disaster into the most successful our practice had ever been um, because of some of the strategies that I'm going to talk about now. And by far, the first and most important one is don't panic because dentistry is always going to be needed. And over the course of time, Patients are still going to need treatment, and you can still help position yourself to make sure that
that you keep the patients that you have and perhaps even expand and get some new ones. And the second thing is, and this is the key to the entire bit of success, is go back to basics. Stop thinking about the big cases and how you used to be able to do things. Go right back to the simplicity of everyday dentistry because everyday restorative dentistry is the best, best path for folks who are short on funds or in economic distress or, or maybe even just frightened. Um, so if they only do a filling or two at a time, at least they're getting something done and you're rebuilding them as part of your practice. The patients may be tentative. Instead of quadrants, you maybe choose to do single tooth dentistry. Fillings or temporary repairs may be the better suggestions right now instead of crowns. The idea is to be able to take care of the folks and make sure you know, that they know that you're there for them and that you understand what they're going through. Patient financing options are a must right now. If you don't have them set up in your office, get them set up because that takes the pressure off of people when they can pay you monthly instead of all at once when they either are short on funds or afraid to deplete what they have. Third, refer less and do more yourself. I know this sounds obvious, but when things are going well, we often tend to refer the simple extractions and endo cases because we don't have the immediate time in our schedule. Well, now you have some time in your schedule. So fill those spaces up with more procedure options. Do more things. Talk about what you can do now for somebody and what you may have to be able to do later. Reinforce that taking care of immediate problems still makes sense and that you can help them figure out what should be done now and what can be postponed until things get better. Think of yourself as a triage person in the ER. Uh, you obviously have to take care of the heart attacks first, the broken arm second, and the colds third. And that's the same way that you're going to approach this. You take care of that person that's in pain and having some difficulty. That has to be taken care of first. Then you get to the more normal, everyday things that have to be done that might be a little bigger. And finally, those smile makeovers that you're all hoping to be able to do, they'll come. Just take your time. They'll get there. And finally, and probably most important of all, is to remember we're in a relationship business. And now is the time to build and to reinforce those relationships. Be kind. Be empathetic in your conversations. Ask your patients how they're holding up. People will be frightened. Set a good example and be someone that they can rely on. Let them know you consider them part of your dental family and it's a safe environment for them. Call every single patient the evening after you've done any procedure just to check up on them. It's okay to leave a message. I'll give you a sample in a section. It's okay to leave a message. Do not delegate this to your staff. Do it yourself. This is a personal call that you're making, even though it's only 20 seconds. It's a very powerful tool, and you'll be thrilled to see how appreciated it is. I'll give you an example. Laura, let's make believe I just did um, a couple of fillings on you today or something like that. I've just dialed your number. Um, I hit your um, some sort of um, answering device, whatever you have, and I'll leave this message. It says, hi, Laura. It's Marty Zaiscon. I just wanted to check up on you after the work we did today and make sure you're doing okay. If you're having any problem at all, just call me on my cell phone, 860-918-0253. And if everything's fine, there's absolutely no reason for you to call me back. Just checking up on you. Take care, and I hope you're doing well. That took me 20 seconds to say. And that 20 seconds per person can build your practice back up. It will absolutely rebuild it. It's personal, it's to the point, and it's sympathetic. And all other required traits in maintaining and building 
great relationships. Wow, that's a really some great pearls to pass along. And I, I know that if I received a message like that after treatment, it would it would make me feel um, very important, you know, to you. And I would feel very well cared for and unique, you know, and and special. And and like you said, that builds that trust so that you know, we stay engaged and we feel comfortable and <laughs> reinforces the decisions that we all make as patients to develop that relationship with our healthcare professional. You know, sometimes these things sound pretty obvious, but I know that uh, they're really not, you know, this this building the relationships and the, you know, engaging with your patients, which I know that, that you mentioned and, and building that trust is really important. During this downtime, is, is there anything specifically that you're doing with patient engagement activities or looking into what you want to change maybe in your practice when you, when you come out of this, I don't know if it might be exploring more digital technologies or anything related specifically either to patients right now or enhancing some of the efficiencies or just plans that you have that you you think you might look into even further during this time. Certainly. I don't know if you want me to mention a brand name, but we've been using one of the companies that keeps in touch with patients for us by text and email. They're the same company that confirms our appointments. And on about a once a week or once every week and a half basis is how we've got things set up right now. We're trying to make sure that we send out some piece of communication, letting them know that we're still there for them in case of emergencies, that if they're, uh, that we're all taking care of ourselves at the office, that all of us are still healthy that if people do come into the office, they will be the only patient that is being treated at the time, so it's a safe place for them. And we just try and see if we can keep some contact with them, um, with some little vignette about something that's happening at home with somebody has got their grandchildren um, that they were in contact with, or people have been using Zoom, or whatever, whatever it is that we can communicate so that we just keep those relationships being built and at the same time, remind them that we're there and we'll take care of things as soon as we can. The important part is making sure the relationship is solidified. I can't emphasize that enough because that's what it's all about. You, you clarified that and you, and you did drive that point home. I, I appreciate that. I think everybody hearing that will, uh, that'll resonate very well. Yes. And I- anything that you, that you see coming out of this that might be different in any other aspect of the practice? I do, actually, Laura. I think that people are going to pay more attention to not so much social distancing, but perhaps pay more attention to what they're doing in the way of sterilizations, uh, preventing uh, communicable diseases from passing around. I think that many folks that were a little bit lax on some parts of the OSHA rules will probably tighten up on that. I think that's to everybody's advantage. So I think that that's a good thing. I think that we'll also all have to be careful to recognize that when we used to say to people, well, if you only have a little bit of a cold, it's okay to come on in, that that's probably not a good idea and that we can all be the source of passing diseases along. Now, at the beginning of this, we kept hearing about how 30 to 50,000 people were dying every year of the flu, and we never really give that enough thought. But the reality is, is that if we were better about not letting some of those diseases into the office, we'd be a lot less likely to be passing them out of the office. So I think we'll see some changes that will happen there that will be good for everybody. I will have a particularly hard time about not shaking hands with everybody and touching people on the shoulder on their way in and out of my office. I mean, I'm a touchy-feely kind of a guy. And my guess is I'm going to have to modify that behavior some 
um, when I get back for a while. That'll probably save me from getting slugged a couple of times, but um, <laughs> honestly, that's really not the case. I think people find it very reassuring to know that that little bit of touch that's outside of a dental drill doing it, um, I think is very helpful. And there's one other piece I just want to talk about just for a second, and that's about money. Because I think that dentists, especially uh, people that are in a lot of debt right now, they worry about the money and they worry about what's going to happen with it. I have said this over and over again in all of the teaching that I do, is you don't have to worry about the money. What you have to do is provide value to your patients. And if you provide value to the patients, the money will show up. And the best news of all is that a year from now, this whole coronavirus thing, it's just going to be another speed bump on the road to life. We'll do fine. We will get out of this. We will be better because of it. And hopefully we'll learn some lessons about reacting faster when there are potential problems facing us. Thank you so much, Dr. Zayes, for spending some time and really sharing your experience, your views, and really making people realize what's important now and inspiring everyone to, like you said, get over this speed bump in the road and come out of this stronger together. So thank you so much. Really appreciate your time and looking forward to next time. Okay, Laura, thanks so much. And remember, everybody out there, take care of your staff. They are your lifeblood. Thank you. Take care, Laura. You've been listening to the Smiles Matter podcast, created by Microdental and Modern Dental Laboratories. For more information, you can go to our website, www.microdental.com slash smilesmatterpodcast, or find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are available. Thank you for listening because we believe that smiles matter.